Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Go before the Lord right now. Come on. Let's go before the Lord and pray. Get your Bibles out. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for speaking to us this morning. Lord God, I ask that you would anoint your word, let it, let it land on ears that could hear and receive and act upon the word of God. Release your word, not just with good speech, but with a demonstration of your spirit and power. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Everyone said? Amen. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 8. We're going to look at NLT. And I'm going by faith here because I can't, really can't see much of my lenses today. But I want to welcome... Um, uh, Joel, and in case you want to congratulate you, welcome to the U.S., my brother. He's from Britain. Come on, give it, give it up for Joel. He's, he came from England, and from what I hear, it was like, a, I guess, a year-long process, right? I won't even try to do a British accent because my Cuban self will jack it up. But I just love a Cuban accent. <laughs> I mean, a British accent, a Cuban accent, too. But... <laughs> But we want to thank you. I'm doing their wedding, and so I am so happy you're here. Congratulations, man. God bless you. Every time I talk, try to talk, see, it's not, it's, it I can't even do it. I need to go to school for that, for real. Help me out, Elvin. Come on, buddy. All right. <laughs> all right, let's get back in the spirit here, all right? Ready? Luke chapter 1, verse 8, NLT. Luke chapter 1, verse 8. Listen, let's get our Bibles out. Let's be old-fashioned and get our Bibles and follow along. Shing, let's go. Who has your Bible? Who has your Bible out? Give it up. Give it up. Who uses, who uses your uh, smart device for your Bible? Lift it up. Who uses nothing for your Bible? Come on. Have an altar call for you after service, okay? I'm actually, it's part two of last week's uh, powerful uh, message on John the Baptist, but this is rare because it's part two, yet I'm starting a new series that I'm entitling Fixing the Fracture. Oh, you better turn to somebody right now. Fixing the Fracture, which I'm going to talk about in the next several weeks on the dynamics of healing relational damages, uh, relational conflicts with people, organizations, things, fixing things that have been damaged or severed. But I'm going to give some insight today because I believe this is a, a, a big taboo topic that no one wants to talk about. But before I even get to that, I'll even get that to the middle of my message. I want to share with you some of the other prophetic attributes of John the Baptist. Last week we talked about it. And I believe there's two things this morning the Holy Spirit highlighted to me that you are going to identify. I call this prophetic preaching where you take scriptures from the Bible, eschagete from the verses, and release prophetic insight on it. Can I hear an Amen. All right, so Luke chapter 1, verse 8. Are you excited? Here goes. One day Zechariah was serving God in the temple. This is review from last week, but I want, I'm going to use this same text to give you the second half of this. For his order, Zechariah's order, was on duty that week, as was the custom of the priest. Man, I feel like preaching already because I know where I'm going. <laughs> he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord. This is Zacharias to burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. I, I said that last week. Could you imagine that scene? That doesn't happen. While incense is being, while worship and prayers in the inside, a great crowd is praying outside. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear. I think I would be too when he saw the angel. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice in his birth. Now, this is what we talked about last week, this verse. He will be great in the eyes of the Lord, and he must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks, he, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. Even before his birth. And watch this. This is the, Verse 16 is where I'm going to take a lot from today. He will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children. I feel the Holy Spirit. 
And he will cause those who are rebellious, which is speaking of the children of Israel, to accept the wisdom of the godly, which is the spiritual fathers. Now, I want you to see this because in last week we, we spoke about 45 minutes just on, on verse 15. And this is a recap. For those of you who weren't here, I'm going to recap really quick last week's message. There was three main dynamics of John the Baptist. Number one, he was great in the eyes of the Lord. Say eyes of the Lord. And what we talked about last week is that that was a great relief to know that God, that the angel said he would be great in the eyes of the Lord, not just great. Come on. Because if, he would, if the angel of the Lord said he will be great, then it will be leaving it up to us humans to figure out or measure up to an unsurmountable measuring rod of greatness. He didn't say what would be great because then it would leave up to us what greatness was. But thank God the angel didn't say he would be great. He said he'll be great in the eyes of the Lord. There's a difference between shooting after some generic society greatness than shooting after the definition of being great in the eyes of the Lord. Being great in the eyes of the Lord has nothing to do with how much money you have in the bank. Being great in the eyes of the Lord has to do with obedience and how you fulfill or try to fulfill the great commandment of loving God and loving people well. If you do that, God says he's, you're great and he's after obedience in the eyes of the Lord. What does being great in the eyes of the Lord do to us? It relieves us from condemnation. Because we realize that we are trying to be so perfect in certain ways, but God is not asking you to be great in the worldly standards. He's asking you to be great in his eyes. Totally different. Last week we also talked about uh, the, the second thing, that he had a lifestyle of consecration and holiness. And it's actually very important nowadays in our trendy churches to not shun away from the topic of holiness and purity. I got three amen. See? We're, the, the church, the trendy church is, 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 when I say trendy, I don't mean to knock on trendiness because I love tre being trendy. But on the name of trendiness we, or, or, or a new movement out there, or a new revelation out there, we can't stop speaking on holiness and pursuing holiness. The Bible says that John the Baptist was, was going to be consecrated as a Nazarite. And that's why he said he must neither have a strong drink or alcoholic drinks. And what we talked about that, not taking that from a legalistic standpoint, but taking it as a prophetic sign that he is consecrated for the Lord's work. It's important that we do not throw the baby out with the bathwater and that we do love holiness. Because without holiness, no one can see the Lord. I'm getting excited about last week's notes. <laughs> and then... And then and then the last thing that we talked about last week is that he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Think about that. The Bible says when we do ministry, when we do work, when we do anything, we must include the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, last week we learned that Paul the Apostle didn't even boast about his preaching. I mean, that, that's, you know your identity when you can say your, pe your preaching is plain. I mean, Paul the Apostle was like, look, I know who I am. My preaching is not all that great. It's kind of boring. It's plain. Seriously, he even compared uh, his preaching with Apollos. Apollos was a great preacher back then, and, he, and, 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 he was a, and, and, and um, Paul was a great writer. But he's like, my, my preaching was plain. He goes, but I did not come with that persuasive language, but I, dem but I came with my preaching with a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, another translation of that last week says, I solely relied on the person of the Holy Spirit for everything. That's another, literally, another translation says, I, I relied on the Holy Spirit for everything. I wonder how ministries will be effective in 2018 if we solely relied on the Holy Spirit for everything. Think about that. So that was an effective thing for John the Baptist, and we talked about that. Now, fast forward to today. Everybody say today. So one of the main characteristics that I'm going to start on, part two of John the Baptist, because I, I want to see modern-day John the Baptist raised up. <laughs> Let me say something right now. I said it last week, but I'll say it again. If you want a church growth program in the modern-day era, don't invite John the Baptist to your church. Because John the Baptist talked about holiness. He, he went against the grain. But I, if we want to be modern-day John the Baptist, it's not just preaching boldly and preaching repentance. That's what most people think about. But part two is something that I am going to contend for in your life, in my life, which is this. Part of being a spiritual John the Baptist um, in our, in our modern-day time is to prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. Now, 
I know that there's many movements out there that make uh, uh, real cool phrases uh, and buzzwords with things like that. So we kind of like, oh, I already know that. That's a really, that's a, a, a XYZ movement buzzword or this, uh, this movement buzzword. And it goes kind of in and out. I'm not talking about preparing people uh, um, for the coming of the Lord as one-dimensional only. Uh, what I'm talking about is in order for you and I to be John the Baptist, to prepare people, watch this, for the coming of the Lord, to prepare them, then the work of discipleship must be very intentional in us and through us because, we, because discipleship involves growing us up. You cannot prepare people for the coming of the Lord without the dynamic of discipleship being in your life, in you and through you. Now, now watch this. Look at the, what the, the slide says. To prepare a people for the coming of the Lord, the work of discipleship must be active reality in us and through us. Why do I say that? Because the act of preparing people for the Lord, watch the coming of the Lord, involves mature bride. A mature bride. And me and you cannot be fully mature in our walk with God, God without the element of intentional discipleship in our life. What I mean about discipleship is that there has to be more than just Sunday morning generic teachings, which is great, in order for us to be prepared and mature. That's why God called the fivefold ministry. That's why he called the apostle. That's why he called the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. Why? So we can have titles? No. For the equipping, the discipling, the growing up, the maturing of the saints. I'm, being, I'm preaching good this. I'm, I'm preaching good on this side, so I'm going to go. For, listen, so, so to, pre, to be a John the Baptist, a Monday John the Baptist, is to contend for spiritual growth and not be happy in the spiritual level that you're at. And to also have intentional discipleship that you and I go through. A lot of people want to grow, but no one wants to go through a discipleship process that, ha that causes us to grow. As a matter of fact, the fivefold ministry in Ephesians 5, the whole reason for it is until we come to the maturity the maturity, the maturity of the faith. We Listen, discipleship is so key because we is an element that is missing when it comes to making disciples. The Great Commission is not about saving souls only. We've made it about that. When you read the Great Commission, the subtitle in your Bible says the Great Commission, the first sentence that it says is not go make converts. It says go make disciples. Go make disciples. So here's the thing about making disciples or being discipled. It takes time. A lot of Christians want to grow up without taking the time to read scriptures, to be corrected, to be, to be held closely in uh, accountability with other people. That We don't want to get that. We just want the, the whole hand to just kind of... Remember Naaman, when Naaman had leprosy? And Naaman had leprosy. And I mean, if you had a disease and you were going to some prophet and the prophet said, go run around the church in your underwear ten times and you'll be healed. I know that sounds weird, but I'll do it. <laughs> I, I, see, some of you guys, well, I, you know, I don't know if I'll do that. That's because you've just never been bound like that. You've never, been, you've never been chained up like that. If you were bound and someone says, I need you to run around, you'll do whatever it takes. That's why so I can't understand why Jesus had to spit in someone's eye. I don't care if I'm going to get my eyes back. Glory. Go ahead, Jesus. He probably needs to do that in my left eye right now. So... <laughs> no, watch, watch. Remember, remember Naaman? Remember Naaman? He had leprosy, guys. Watch, watch, watch. The, the, he went to the prophet. What do I do? Watch, I'm just giving you a recap. What do I do? The prophet said, go to the dirty Jordan and dip seven times. He's like, I can't believe this. Watch, watch, watch. This is the little prophetic picture of what people want in their Christian life without discipleship. I can't believe this. I'm a, I'm a, pro, I'm a prosperous man. The Bible says he was, very, he was a very prosperous man. Couldn't he tell me to wash in the other rivers who are much more healthier than the Jordan? Because the Jordan, the Jordan River was the, the nastiest, dirtiest river in all of Israel. He said, I would, watch, watch, watch. I was expecting the man of God, watch, this is, the, this is the picture of the church today, to wave his hands over the place and I will be healed. That's what we want. Come, I need growth. I need maturity. No problem. Lift up your hands. It's done in the name of Jesus. 
We want to take no responsibility for our growth. Oh, come on. We, we, want, we want everybody else to pray for us. We want everybody else to, to, to cry with us and, and, and call us. But we don't want to put in the time and effort to get discipled to grow in the things of God. You can't, you can't get a six-pack by praying. you got to go to the gym. Come on, somebody. I wish I could say, Lord, Rabasha, six-pack tomorrow. Oh, look at that. You got to put work in it. So the work of discipleship has to be, watch this, intentional, where you submit through a process where you can grow in an intimate level. You want to prepare people for the Lord? It does not come just by Sunday morning attendance. Oh. You wanna, if you want to be a modern-day John the Baptist, you've got to get plugged in and make sure your spiritual growth is a priority. Your, your spiritual growth is a priority. So what is a disciple? It's not going to be on your screen, but you could take notes. A disciple is a pupil, a learner, one who follows a person's teachings and ways completely. That's what a disciple is. I don't want to get all theological to you, but there's a difference between just a Christian and a disciple. That's for another time. But discipleship means submitting to a God-given process that produces the ways and teachings of Jesus completely and fully in you. Now, now watch this. You have to, why do we need discipleship to, to, to grow and to prepare our, ourselves as a bride? Because we have habits, and habits carry momentum the longer you do them. In other words, habits are like a big uh, snowball that's rolling down the mountain, and it gets bigger and stronger if it's left just rolling unto itself. Now, that's good and that's bad. Our habits will build momentum. If it's good, if we have good disciplines in us, those habits will grow and make them mature. But if, if we have these habits that continue to grow, to go down the mountain, it will grow and escalate until it dominates us. That's why discipleship is needed for us to grow. Now, I want you to look up at your screen. There's a little graphic that I put. Effective discipleship for optimal, now this is point number one still, for optimal spiritual growth needs three main dynamics. All right, I want you to write this down. Are you getting something this morning? Effective discipleship. See, a lot of people shun discipleship because of these, these next dynamics because you're afraid. You're afraid because as, lo as long as it's just you and God, you have no one to answer to. But spiritual growth, have you, watch this, have you guys, who, who, who has kids here? Who has kids? Have your kids at one point in your life say, Mommy uh, or Dad, my, my knee hurts? Or one time I remember Jonathan said that years ago, and I was like, what's going on? I don't know, my knee hurts. Well, what happened? We didn't know this. We took him to the doctor, and the doctor said, oh, there's nothing wrong with him. He just grew. Growing pains. His bones, his bone, I am preaching. Come on, Holy Ghost. His, 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 his tendons and his bone grew in the summer, and, his, and it was faster than usual. And these are called growing pains. There's a pain in your flesh that needs to be crucified for us to have spiritual growth. God wants us to grow, but sometimes our flesh is in the way. And so what he does is submit us to a discipleship process. Now, now there's three main dynamics that I am asking you to contend. If you want to be a John the Baptist, you need effective discipleship in your life. And the, one of the three dynamics of discipleship, are you ready? Are you ready? The first one is association. Association. Now, what is association? We're talking about discipleship. Is association speaks of who you are around so that you can have spiritual growth in your life. What I mean by that is the need for you to associate yourself and get plugged in, A, to a local church. Come on, say amen. Don't get all religious and spiritual on me and say, I don't need the local church. That's not, that's not the Lord. You're, if you're a lone ranger and you don't want anybody to, 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 uh, to check up on you, that is not the Lord. That's actually dangerous. That's actually dangerous. So who are you associating with? Discipleship requires who you associate with, not only in the local church, but also when it comes to fellowship with other people. All right? Now you have to make sure that you associate with the right godly type of people because you don't want to be discipled by a worldly person <laughs> or worldly influence. You know that discipleship is so important? I, I, I don't know where I would be with my bad self if I didn't have discipleship in my life. 
Which leads me to the next thing. Oh, you're going to love this? Those of you who really love the Lord, you're going to love this, but it's going to be an ouch moment. The second dynamic is accountability. See, no one likes that. No one likes that. If you want to grow in the things of God, part of discipleship is you need to set yourself accountable to other people and be vulnerable to other people because accountability helps you to see what you can't see yourself. Other people... Accountability is the ability for other people that you give permission in your life to see things or hear things about your life that you can't see yourself. Now watch this. It's not always bad things. It's good things. There's sometimes people can see the gift of God in you and you can't even see it because you're wallowing in your pain or your condemnation. And someone says, you have a teaching gift. No, I don't. Yes, you do. Have you ever thought about teaching? Accountability with other people will allow the gifts of God to flourish because other people could see things that you don't see. And not only that, okay, this is going to get me in trouble for a second here. But accountability is not only bringing encouragement. It's not only speaking biblical, biblical truth to you. But at times, accountability means allowing people to lovingly give you a biblical correction in your life. See, I got three amens on that. We all want to be, be, be people to prepare for the coming of the Lord, but no one wants to get discipled and no one wants to be held accountable. If we don't get held accountable, we become spiritual orphans somewhere, isolated into our own way. And listen, the beautiful thing about accountability is that you are not doing it on your own. You're not living this life on your own. The people that fail is the people that have no accountability or do not allow people to lovingly get in their face to speak biblical truth. Do you know, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm really going to get in trouble now. Oh, boy. There's a difference between judging someone and speaking biblical truth and holding them accountable. The, the apostle Paul said that we judge those who are inside. Well, you're just judging me. I understand how correction could come across judging. I know that. But if you claim to be a Christian and you're fornicating out there, if I say to you, hey, sister, hey, brother, I love you, but what's going on because I don't see the fruits of righteousness in you, that's not judging you. That's holding you accountable to your own words. And so you have to realize that if you really want to grow, you will long for that. You will long. I've told my board, speak into me if I'm going off crazy. I need you to make, pull me back in. And I give you, watch this, permission to speak in my life. Here's a little secret. Those of you who want to grow, lift up your hands. That you need to give permission to someone in your life or a group of people that are mature and that walk with the Lord to speak biblical truth in your life. Come on, you should say amen to that. Say amen to that. I'm having, you know, we, can't, we, we can't even say amen to that. Because we all want to grow, but we don't want accountability. Even the jail system gets it right, guys. When people do wrong in the jails, they don't, put, they don't punish them harder and beat them. They put them into solitary confinement, away from fellowship and by themselves so they could be crazy. A man who isolates himself rages against all wise judgment. Come on, say amen. So the second, second dynamic, the third dynamic of discipleship is, put it up there, it's teaching of the scriptures in a more dynamic way, intimate, dynamic way. You cannot have, you cannot grow in your walk with God without discipleship that includes association. Say association. Say accountability. Now say teaching. One more time. Say association, accountability, and teaching. If you want to grow, get the word inside of you. Get into a, 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 this is not the only way, but get into yourself a, a small group reality uh, with, with, with the small groups that we have or in some small group dynamic where you could ask questions and receive personal ministry. That is when you're going to grow. You know why? Because sometimes it may sting, but the sting is growing pains. Glory to God. Sometimes you may not want to do something and you're like, uh, well, I, I just don't want to do that. And maybe it's not an issue of what you don't like. Maybe it's an issue that you have of submission and God is trying to tell you to submit even though you don't like it. And what that does is make you humble. Discipleship strips out pride from you. You want to be a people prepared for the Lord? You need to be intentional about discipleship. 
Get yourself discipled. Get yourself around people that will hold you accountable. Come on, say amen. Come on, say amen. And this is important. I want to challenge you before I go to my second point. I want to challenge everyone that desires to go deep in God. Watch this. I'm going to, I'm going to say something to set you free. Don't wait for the pastor or the leader to come to you and say, hey, you need to be discipled and you need to grow. True people that want to grow will seek discipleship out on their own. Don't get mad if the pastor doesn't know all your gifts either. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you something for free. This is not even in my notes. If you want your gifts to be uh, recognized, to so be used, it's impossible for one man or one woman to, uh, to, to, could you imagine Moses in front of three million people if he had to be the only one who came up with the people's giftings? Like, like there'll be a line, three million people. What about me, Moses? Pastor Moses, what about me? Uh, you're in the ministry of helps. Amen. Next one. Uh, you are children's ministry. Go over here. Uh, you are youth ministry. I feel you're administration. No, there is no way he could do that. But discipleship makes you around a community, come on somebody, that will be able to see the gifts of God in you and then you can be able to get plugged in. Say amen. You want to be John the Baptist? Submit yourself to intentional discipleship. You will see what happened. I see some of my spiritual sons and daughters here. Where would they be without discipleship? Where would, think about it. It's like discipleship is the loving, is the loving um, how do I say this, the loving barrier board that keeps us from going left and right. And, and every now and then it's like, come over here, come back over here. You know what the Bible says about David? David says, your, your rod and your staff comfort me. Now, I understand the rod, I mean the staff comfort you because it's a little gentle. Come here, you little wayward sheep. Come here. But the rod is pow. And ah, oh, oh, come over here. You're being rebellious. Come over here, my sheep. Come on. I'm going to put you on my shoulder. I'm putting it back. Now that hurts, but David said, Your staff and your rod comfort me. Why? Because the Bible says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen today, but it's okay. Come on. Number two, to be a spiritual body. Now, this is where I'm going to start. This is where I'm going to start kind of my new series because this is a a powerful dynamic of John the Baptist I want everyone to listen to. It's going to bring a lot of healing to you. To be a modern-day John the Baptist is to seek healing and restoration to wounded relationships in our lives. I I know it was going to be quiet. To be... Considered the attributes of a John the Baptist, watch this, is to seek healing and restoration to wounded relationships in our lives. I said that right. Not waiting for it to only come to you. John the Baptist, watch this, spiritual John the Baptist are people who do not ignore the spiritual elephants in the room regarding relationships and situations that have been severed or wounded in their life. Can I hear an amen? John the Baptist of this day and this hour are proactive in seeking reconciliation. Oh, man. Proactive and intentional about seeking healing. In areas that have been fractured. Areas that have been fractured in your life. The dynamics that have, of hurt and pain. And, and the characteristics of John the Baptist and Elijah are one. What are the characteristics of Elijah? What are the characteristics of Elijah? And he will be coming, John the Baptist, in the spirit and power of Elijah. Well, I'm glad we said that because what did, was spoken about Elijah? Lots of things, but in the book of Malachi, it says he will turn. Actually, you know what? Turn to Malachi real quick. Ch- chapter 4. In the NLT, look at this. Oh, this is good. I feel the Holy Spirit here. How many sense the Lord speaking to them? Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 in the NLT. I like how the NLT reads. Look at this, guys. Look at what the Bible says about the, the ministry of Elijah and the preaching and the message of Elijah. Watch this. Guys, let's not ignore hurtful offenses and hurts from our family, from people, from, from other organizations. Deal with it. A modern-day John the Baptist and Elijah does not ignore the elephant in the room. I think what happens to the church is that we're so hurt that we stay quiet and we run away. I call them runners. I had somebody years ago that was um, someone that I really knew in, in our other church. Every time they had pressure in their life, they would run. 
I'm not talking about run like jogging in the, around the block. I'm talking about they would be MIA. I'm trying to catch them. Trying to, where, we are, where are you? No, I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to quit. I, I, I'm going to do that. Do you know that hurt, offense, wounded relationships will cause you to quit faster than anything else? Look at what Malachi says. Look, look at this in the NLT. Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His, watch this, preaching. Woo. His preaching, his preaching, his teaching, his message will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will strike the land with a curse. Now, obviously, in that text, he's talking about the children of Israel going back to their, to the, to the founding forefathers of the faith. But spiritually and, and pro- prophetically speaking, this scripture is talking about an act of restoration. Can I pause and say there's many of us in sitting in Christendom today that have fractured and wounded relationships that you have not addressed. And here is the problem. I knew it was going to get quiet, but it's going to be healing. If we don't fix the fracture or allow the Holy Spirit to heal the fracture, it will affect everything we do and every relationship we are part of from that point on. And I'm going to preach good here for a little bit. I've been preaching good, but I'm going to preach better now. One of the things that the Holy Spirit put in my heart a couple of days ago that I believe that we need to address is not just hurt in general, that is true, but ministry offense. Oh, help me, Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit. I, 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 I just want to say this disclaimer. I had this message done by Monday, so I'm not thinking of anybody here, okay? Sometimes the Holy Spirit will speak and be like, that's exactly what I'm going through. It's because the Lord wants you to hear it. One of the main things that needs to be fixed in the body of Christ, the fracture that has been broken, is hurt that we have picked up from other churches and other ministries. Because what happens is when we get to a place where we don't uh, address these ministry offenses, it greatly hinders you, hear me now, from receiving from your current ministry. No, you're not, you're not saying amen. Because we say terms like, I'm not getting fed here anymore, where that, and that's sometimes true. But if we don't fully address the root of the problem, we'll realize that we're shutting everything off because we picked up a wound or an offense in another church. And let me tell you, if, if how you exit a relationship is how you enter the next one. Because offense is not a location problem, it's a heart problem. You, you, you could go to exit one relationship and then go to the next relationship and for the first six months it's a honeymoon over there. It's a honeymoon and that's, oh, because, you know, hey, everything is good now. And the moment the pastor says something that reminds you of something that you haven't dealt with. Oh, oh see, see I, I don't like that. I don't like how he said that. I don't like that. They don't love me over here. I don't like this structure over here. Well, have you ever talked to them about this? No. Most of the time is because you have not healed a fracture or a wound, and now everything that looks like the past now is interpreted in the present. It's the same with marriage. It's the same with relationships. And watch this. This is why it's important to fix the fracture or heal the fracture when it comes to ministry offense. Please hear me. Because not only will you not receive in the current place that you're in, you will not seek to be involved in the place that you're in. Oh, man, I'm, pre- I'm, I'm, I'm. There, there's, a, there's a fear of commitment when it comes to certain people in the local church because they've been so wounded in other churches that they sit back and say, I'd rather just receive than to get involved. Now, I know that there is a season where we need to receive and not get involved. But to some of us, that season has come and gone, and God is trying to bring healing, is trying to bring reconciliation. The spirit of Elijah is the one that turns the hearts of the fathers back to the, to the children. It's a restorative, it's a restoration, reconciliated type of work. It's the message that will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children. And one of the things, I need the worship team to come up here, please, because I feel the Holy Spirit. I need the worship team to come up. You can still listen to the message up here. Glory to God. But the Bible says his message will have the dynamic and power to heal. Listen, it's good that I can't even see anybody today because I I can't even see anybody's reaction. I, I can't see nobody's reaction here right now. 
I may need to do that more often. I feel more free that way. I, I can't, you guys are all blurry. So I don't know if you're going like this. Or, but the Holy Spirit knows that you need this. Let me, let me t- hear me, hear me. Do you want to be people that are mature? Do you want to be people that are healed? If you want to be John the Baptist and in the spirit of Elijah, the spirit of Elijah did one major thing. His message would turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children. We need more, rest, more messages that will include intentionality to fixing broken things. Broken relationships. And you be the better man. And you be the better woman. And you go to that person. And listen, I know that there's timing. I'm not, I'm not talking about timing. There's a time for everything where you need to move on and you need to go progress. But that is true. But just because the timing is right, don't make sure that you stay silent. Don't stay silent when it comes to a wounded dynamic that God is trying you to fix. Now, I want to set you free. That doesn't mean you have to be best friends with them. I, I, I'm serious. I'm serious. It's biblical. Some people have this false condemnation like, in order for me to wo- heal this wounded relationship, I got to call them every day now. I got to fake this smile. Like, oh, how you doing? I love you. I forgive you. Uh, no. Forgive them. Get that offense out of your heart and be- keep moving in the name of Jesus. Amen? Woo! He will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children. One of the things that I think needs to be healed is two main things. Ministry offense. Please hear me. Please hear me. If I, if I could be honest as your pastor, because of the inner healing anointing that's on our ministry, we get a lot of people that are wounded from other ministries. And that's good. We want that. God wants that. But not at the expense of you just staying that way. Oh, come on. Come on. My goal is for not to inherit a whole bunch of broken people and say, look what I got. My goal is to say, you've been wounded. Let's work together. Let's get healing. Let's, get, let's fix the fracture. And then let's get plugged into the local church here and do the work of the Lord together. Because healed people heal people. Wounded people wound people. So if you want to get, listen, if you want to get used, get healed. Oh, 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 that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's not in my mind. If you want to get used, get healed. Turn to somebody. If you want to get used by God, get healed. You're good to nobody sitting around with your arms crossed, analyzing how I preach and analyzing the service and analyzing the worship. You're good to nobody. Well, I'm not getting involved because, you know, I just don't like the style of worship. Who cares about the style of worship? Who cares about the style of preaching? Get involved. Get healing. And you will see your heart come alive in the things of God. I'm glad I can't see all y'all. <laughs> you know what the other thing? Ooh, I feel the Holy Spirit here. You know what the other thing that needs to be healed? Buckle your seatbelts. Buckle your seatbelts right now. The family dynamic. Fixing the fracture. John the Baptist, turning the hearts of the fathers back to the, uh, to the sons, and the sons back to the fathers, speaks of family restoration. Hear me well. Hear me well. There's going to be a movement that God is going to release that is going to ask his people to stop, to stop complaining about the hurt that was done to you five years ago about your family and seek out restoration with them. Seek out it with your son. Seek it out with your daughter. Seek it out with your cousin. Seek it out with your brother. And again, it doesn't mean you have to tolerate their nonsense, but make sure it's out of your heart and that you bless them, you forgive them, and you're intentional about going to them. You know what that means also about healing the family dynamic? It may not be offense. It may be putting things back in order. Where you become the spiritual head of your house and let your walk with Christ dictate the culture, not the TV or the video games. Healing the family dynamic may not have any offense involved in it. Healing the family dynamic may have to do with intentionality about you initiating prayer in your house for the first time in many years. And saying, hey guys, I know this is weird. I haven't done this in a while. But we're going to pray not just before dinner, but we're going to say a little prayer right now for no reason. Or, or, or city dads and fathers, you know, we, 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 we quote Ephesians 5 all the time. We quote Ephesians 5 for the marriages. And Ephesians 6 is for the kids, it's for the parents and the kids. It says, 
children, obey your parents in the Lord. And we're like, that's right, the better obey, the better obey. And the next verse, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. We, healing the family dynamic means we, as parents, also take responsibility about how we treated our kids. Ooh. You know, I've had to, because I'm really, really intense. Everybody say, no way. <laughs> you didn't know that? And so sometimes, sometimes my intensity rubs off the wrong way to people. And sometimes I've come across really bold and hard to my kids, and I didn't mean to. There are sometimes, now I could be like, you know, some of us, well, I'm the parent. They need to know. I'm the parent, and I'll never scoop down the level. I'm the boss here, and that's it. There's times where I've seen, even though I was right, I was wrong. Can you hear it, man? Right? I was right in what I said, but I was wrong in how I said it. And I had to humble myself as a father and as a pastor and sit down in the living room and say, guys, I am sorry. Forgive daddy. Forgive, forgive me because I spoke really hard today and I didn't mean to do that. And they're like. But you know what? You can never get to a place when you walk with God that you're above correction and that you're above humbling yourself for the sake of restoration. Some of you are not seeing full restoration because you're not humbling yourself enough. Because it takes humility to go to a person and say, you know what? I know you hurt me. Listen, when you go to a person, go for their sake, not for your sake. Don't be like, hey, you know what? I need to, I need to meet with you. You know what? What you did, you hurt me, man. But that was, you, you were a jerk when you did that. You know what I'm saying? You, you really didn't have to do that. That hurt me, man. I don't know why you said that, but I forgive you. <laughs> We go to the person, we like, we like drown them with accusations like, you know, that was really messed up what you did. But I just want you to know, I'm, no, no, no. You go to them and say, hey, even if you were hurt, I just want you to know, you don't know this, but I, I've been critical of you. You have? Most of the time, they don't even know. I, I've been critical of you. You have? Why? Well, you know, yeah, because a couple months ago, you said something, I kept it in. I never talked to you about it. And I, and I kept it in. And this whole time for three months, I've been really critical of you. And I've been angry inside. And I just want to repent before you. And I'm asking you to forgive me. That's it. Not try to justify how wrong they were. Because Jesus, when he hung on the cross, he didn't say, Now. Who's your daddy now, huh? Come on, you see the thunder. You see the earthquake. Is it about time? No, no. I ain't going to forgive them, Lord, until they recognize who I am. Nails in his feet, nailed in his hands. And while they're pounding away on the Son of God, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a decision. An offense is an incident. Being offended is a decision. An offense is an incident. Being offended is a condition of the heart and a decision. You want to be John the Baptist now? I tell you what, it's so refreshing. It's a restorative work that God wants to do to prepare. Watch this. How can he prepare the people for the coming of the Lord if we're a bunch of broken people that have offenses with each other all the time? It takes discipleship and it takes our family dynamic. Whoever hurts you, whether it's a ministry, make sure for your own sake that you deal with it in humility so it can get out of you. You bless them. You, again, you don't have to be best friends, but make sure that you do your part because guess what? Whatever you sow, you will reap. And even if, watch this, this is really powerful. Even if you don't get it from the same source that you're sowing into, God will make sure you'll get yours. If I sow love into someone and they hate me back, I'm not receiving from the source that I'm sowing. But when I'm down, God will send someone to love on me out of the blue. And God's like, it's because you sowed to somebody, now you're reaping from somewhere else. But the one who gives it is God. Now you ready for the last point? Are you getting something today? Seek out restoration and healing. That's what I feel for you. And number two. Oh, this is going to be good. The last one, number three. Put that slide up there. John the Baptist 
grew strong. You want to get, how many want to grow strong? In the deserts and in the wilderness. Oh, John the Baptist grew strong in the deserts. Not in the nice air conditioning uh, church when they were waiting for full-time ministry to arrive. He grew strong in the Lord in the wilderness. Everyone wants to grow, but no one wants to go to the wilderness. And the wilderness, are you ready to shout with me? Is not a punishment stage. It's a preparation stage for you to work on your character, to be trusted with public ministry and public realities. The wilderness is where God purifies you. The wilderness is hot and dry and it's stinky and it's uncomfortable. But it's in the fiery furnace of the wilderness where he grows you and I. Don't reject what God is putting you into. <laughs> Listen, look at John chap Luke chapter 1. Oh, this is so good. I'm about to slap myself. Look at this. Luke chapter 1 verse 80 in the, new in the NLT. He grew up. Now look at Matthew chapter 1. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. As I put that. Look at Matthew 3, verse 1. Look at 3, verse 1. Matthew 3, verse 1. In those days, oh my God, my God. John the Baptist came preaching, itinerant preaching, in the wilderness. We, wait, 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 wait. Uh, I want my comfort hotels. I want my AC. I want all this stuff. In the, I want what, when I get into full-time ministry, I'm going to have my business cards, and I'm going to have my AC. I'm going to have my big limo, and I, that's the reason why I'm going to the ministry, and I want to make sure because it's prosperous, and I'm going to be, he was full-time ministry in the wilderness, and watch this, he wasn't complaining. That was the part of his ministry. He grew in the wilderness, and he preached in the wilderness. Some of you, you don't mind growing in the wilderness, but you mind preaching in the wilderness. You don't mind growing up and, and being hammered in the wilderness, but then you say, okay, you know what, I, I'm done now. God says, yeah, there's a season always for you to be in the wilderness because that's my preparation stage so that you won't hurt people when I put you in front of people. <laughs> so that you can be fully mature in the world, if I could trust you preaching in the wilderness, I could trust you preaching in the hotels and the car. If I could trust you when you are dry and have nobody and you're studying the word and you're praying and you're fasting, surely you'll do well in an air-conditioned comfort place. We are living in a day that unless our calling is identified by comfort, we don't want to do that calling. We're living in a day that unless our calling fits some, some, some weird thing that we've made up of comfort, we reject the call. Let me tell you something. Even the Son of God had to go through the wilderness before he was trusted with, with ministry. No, no, you're not hearing me. Even, the, even Jesus. Look at, that, look at that next verse. Put that next verse up there about Jesus. i got to get close because I can't see. Watch this. <laughs> then Jesus, oh, watch, I'm going to shout. I'm going to shout. I'm going to shout now. Then Jesus, watch this. Oh, I love this. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Time out, time out, time out, time out. He wasn't lacking in a prayer life. He was praying. See, some people think that being in the wilderness, oh, I haven't prayed in 10 days. I'm in the wilderness. Well, obviously, you're going to be in the wilderness in that. Some people think that if they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they're not going to go in the wilderness. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. What? No, 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 not, not Luke. <laughs> the, the one before that. What before that? Uh, the verse before that, whatever, whatever verse I get. Hold on. I won't help them out, guys. Sorry. Okay. Luke chapter 4. You're right. Verse 1. He was filled with the Spirit, returned, returned from Jordan. Watch this. Here's the key. And was led by the Spirit. Where? I can't hear you. Where? I can't hear you. Jesus being filled with the Spirit. That means, well, I don't have any need to be filled, to go to the wilderness because I'm filled with the Spirit. He was active prayer life, active word life, praying every day, speaking to the Father every single second, and the Holy Spirit led Jesus to the wilderness. Some of you, you see, let's say I'm the Holy Spirit, and, and this is you. We're rebuking what God is doing. 
We were saying, oh, I hate this. Oh, oh. And the Holy Spirit says, come over here. I'm going to lead you into a dry place for a season, not to punish you. It's because I want to take some stuff out of you. And I want to take you to a preparation stage where it's hot and dry because that's where your weapons are going to be formed. Just like the blacksmith, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that you weapons are formed in a hot, real dry place where there's lava and there's heat and it's uncomfortable. But I'm going to form an axe through you, a trumpet through you, a sword through you. Now watch. Now you lead them to the wilderness and then we rebuke the wilderness. I rebuke, the, I rebuke this dry season. And then the Lord, I'm turning back around, the Lord will turn to you and say, you can't rebuke me. I'm the one who's leading you. We're rebuking the devil, and the devil's not leading you to the wilderness. Oh, 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 oh. The, I have news for you. The devil is leading nobody into the wilderness. Is the Holy Spirit taking Jesus and taking his bride into the wilderness. Because when you come out of the wilderness, you come out leaning on your beloved. And you come filled with the Holy Spirit and power. Come on. Come on. Stand up to your feet. Come on. Stand up to your feet. God wants to invite you to heal certain things in your life, and he's inviting you to the wilderness. Look at that last verse before we, we close. Luke chapter 4, verse 14 in the NLT. Look it up here real quick. Come on. Look at this. Then Jesus returned. Are you ready to shout with me? Then Jesus returned from the wilderness. Everybody say from the wilderness. Filled with the Holy Spirit's what? Filled with what? Power and reports spread about him through the whole region. You know what's going to happen when you become spiritual John the Baptist? You're going to desire discipleship and growth. Come on, this is for somebody. You're going to desire to get plugged in and be held accountable. If you're not held accountable today, today let this message pierce your heart. Find somebody that holds you accountable. Number two, if you want to be a John the Baptist in the modern day era, you're going to be people that do not shun away from addressing hurts and fractures that have, that have wounded you. And number three, you're going to be people that are going to be prepared by going to the wilderness. I have news for you. If you're in a dry season, that means you're about to be trusted with something that is significant. If you go through a dry season, it's so God could work on your character. It's not punishing you. He's preparing you. Come on, lift up your hands to the Lord. Come on, lift up your hands right now. Say, I want to be a John the Baptist. Oh, come on, come on. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.